0: every time
1: a proud member of the gun geek network the opinions expressed are those of each individual check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in three two one
0: on this week's episode we're talking emmy nominations the beginning of comic-con spews out a ton of trailers and toys r us is back kind of
1: Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode
0: of the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great programs. But it wouldn't be a PCC Multiverse without my good friend. He is our trailer masher of Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to check out everything that's going on today at popculturecosmos.com pop culture cosmos on facebook youtube instagram and so much more it is my good friend who is gonna sound back to the old days a little bit hollow but that's what happens when you bounce some mixers it is my good friend it is josh peterson so glad you could join us even though it is not quite the way you had planned it
2: yeah that's what happens i guess mixers don't bounce off of sidewalks very
0: well Big dog! No. We'll go ahead and send them the bill a little bit later on. But it is truly great to have you on, my friend, because you're going to be sharing your thoughts on Netflix, some of the trailers that we saw, and so much more, including Toys R Us and its rebirth, kind of. We'll talk about that and so much more. Jessica Box is also here from the TV ratings guide.com. She's going to be on in a little bit talking Emmy nominations. We're going to talk about that and so much more in our interview coming up here in a little bit. Plus, also, we're going to be talking about Comic-Con is finally upon us. There's a slew of trailers that already came out, and we're going to be breaking down some of them right here on the show as well. But first, my friend, I think we got to talk about the big news this week of them all, and that was Netflix finally seeing some, I guess, slowed expectations as they released their quarterly report to shareholders this week. And unfortunately, the news is not all that great. Probably what was most concerning was the fact that it reported a little over two and a half million new customers signed up during the second quarter of fiscal 2019. And that's about, oh, well, actually, it's, it's probably half of what Wall Street was expecting in that time frame. And they've even lost quite a bit more subscribers than that with over 100,000 leaving the service in and of itself. And of course, with the news of the impending losses of friends and also The Office, I mean, now is not a great time for Netflix. And in fact, in the last 24 hours, as we're recording this, it has lost over 17 billion. That's with a B. $17 billion in value in the last 24 hours, down over 10% in its market share during trading this week on Wall Street. So it is really, really kind of uh, some nervous times at Netflix, even though they are still happy with what they saw out of the popularity and enthusiasm with Stranger Things Season 3 Dead to Me, they reported at over 30 million views on that show as well. Some great news there. Obviously, they got a ton of Emmy nominations this week, not quite as many as HBO, and and Jessica and I are going to go that into detail here in a little bit, but even as good as that news comes, the numbers are there that are dwindling for them, and mind you, they're still a powerhouse in the streaming world, but this can't be a great sign.
2: No, no, not at all. My theory behind that is that people were already intending to cancel their Netflix accounts with their Wait Until Stranger Things season three aired. And now that it did, everyone's canceling.
0: That's going to show up on third quarter earnings report. And so that's going to be something that might, like you said, be even worse.
2: Yeah. And for me, like I canceled because I got an email from them saying they raised my monthly price to $18. Why am I going to pay $18 for something that I don't use faithfully you know i don't use it all the time i just use it to watch certain shows and then it just lays dormant for all that time so i think a lot of people are realizing you know back when it was seven eight dollars a month it was worth it to keep that subscription just on the off chance you're sitting at home one night wanting to watch a movie go on netflix but now you're paying 18 dollars for this and it's almost a quarter of the price of somebody's health insurance like it's nuts
0: it is not a good sign and it's not trending in the right direction And ultimately it's probably gonna get more expensive as the years go on, even though there's gonna be less and less content when it comes to major big names in regards to television. The backbone, like I said, The Office and Friends, which were pillars of the actual network itself, are going to be leaving to other streaming services here within the next two years. And that's gonna be a tough sign for Netflix that they don't have that backbone. Mind you, they do a great job of providing filmmakers and television uh, television producers a great opportunity to put out some quality shows on their streaming service. The original programming is at a level that very few can match right now. I'm going to give them props, as it were. But still, like we've always talked about, they're operating at such a high amount as far as what they have to go ahead and produce, what their operating costs are at, and the deficit that they are always dealing with There's still the biggest reason why they could go ahead and stay in business and continue to conduct business the way they do was because they were always willing to convince shareholders about the big numbers they do as people actually committing to the service. They don't have that as well as they've had in the past. That could be a bad sign for Netflix going forward, especially in light of all the fact that there's so many other entities coming into the streaming genre.
2: Yeah, and they, they kind of created the circumstances for their own demise in a way because they showed how successful a streaming platform can be. And now, look, we have, you know, CW has something, NBC's coming out with their own thing, HBO, Stars. All these stations now have their own streaming apps, which is, which you know, it's fine in an isolated community like Stars and HBO, but now that NBC is seeing how well their shows are doing on, Netflix are pulling the office and Netflix lost friends and it's just
0: HBO Warner. There's Apple, there's Google. Mm -hmm. They're all coming out with streaming services. Right, right. And
2: even with the, with the Disney thing, Disney plus, right? I guarantee you Disney would never have invested in a streaming service if they did not see how many views and clicks their content got on the Netflix platform.
0: And we're seeing the residual effects of that again, as one of the big news also this week in the TV world was that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is shutting down after Season 7. And that shows me even more that Marvel, with also Legion as well going away in FX, is that there's going to be a very small presence in public or broadcast or even cable television when it comes to Marvel and that they're focusing all their efforts on what's going to go on with Disney+. Plus. Yeah,
2: right. So it, I don't know, man. Like Netflix created the circumstances. You know, at the same time, though, I look at it this way. Do you think that Netflix maybe needs to do a better job of marketing themselves? Because they have, like you said, great shows, right? Great shows, great stories, and they can push the envelope to places that a lot of people can't. But they don't market it very well. Like when Altered Carbon, for instance, I never saw one trailer. Excellent show, never saw one trailer. Stranger Things season three. They don't put in their trailers, they pop up on Facebook feeds, but uh, other than like your news sites, they don't do that. You don't go around, you don't see banners on the internet, you don't see commercials on television. Like If they
0: but if a- they get any advertisement, it's actually residuals off of Baskin Robbins, Coca-Cola, right. things of that nature.
2: Yeah. So why, I mean, if they were to even go to movie theaters, you know, and like the pay for a little slot that comes in before the movie starts, like in the, the Regal 20 or whatever, I don't know if they still have that, but...
0: Yeah, it's just they don't market it. So they have all this excellent content, but nobody knows about it. Well, you got to consider the fact that there is an issue when it comes to the price. You mentioned it earlier, their price has gone up and they did cite it somewhat as a source of why that there's not enough people joining up with Netflix as much as they used to. And then there's also people jumping off the ship in more and more quantities due to the price changes that are affected. And I get that when you're running with a loss and you also want to put out this tremendous amount of content that they have over the course of the past two, three years, unfortunately, there has to be a backlash from it. And there it does come a point in time where you do have to go ahead and the price to individuals out there has to suffer. But in your estimation, what would be the price point limit for you? I mean, you said $18 was something that made you bail out, but what would you see as a happy medium because if they do fifteen dollars a month, even ten dollars a month, obviously that wasn't enough for them to generate the kind of amount of content that they do, but they're in the cash twenty-two. If they don't go ahead and put out all that content, then they lose subscribers.
2: Okay, so for me, twelve dollars. Twelve dollars as many screens as I want. Because I can pay what, seven ninety-nine for HBO and I can play it on any screen I want or a computer. But they're not being transparent about what they what the price hikes are for. They're like well, because you watch it on three Netflix on three televisions, I'm going to charge you more money. But how does that affect their bottom line at all? I have three TVs in my house. So what if I want to watch it on another TV? So it just it doesn't it doesn't feel right to me. You know, they should say if they're going to, to do a price hike, they need to give us a reason, like give us the content that justifies it. Because it seems like robbery to me if I want to watch Netflix on a television downstairs. But the second I activate it, my rate goes up.
0: Now, we've talked about Netflix and the fact that they are not getting in the subscribers that they normally would have. And also as well to the expectations of Wall Street as well. Something has to turn around. You cannot continue to operate at that high of cost that they do. Try to put out as much content as they do. And go ahead and still continue to conduct the business the way you have. And they're already losing a market share already with more streaming services on the horizon. In my opinion, the next couple of years are going to be critical for Netflix as far as their longevity is concerned. I want to ask you, if you're a betting man, 2025, is there still going to be a Netflix? And if it is, will it still be a viable format in the streaming world?
2: I'm going to say yes, because as long as not to put all their eggs in one basket, but as long as something like Stranger Things exists and fans have a reason to look forward to another season, there will be people keeping their Netflix accounts. They went into the game with bigger expectations than they should have. I think if they would have aimed a little smaller, they would have done, you know, they wouldn't be in this predicament right now. But again, by 2025, everybody's going to have a streaming service. You're going to be able to watch... Every channel, sci fi, CW, Universal, the market's going to get smaller and smaller. So, what I would do if I were them is I would look for, you know, I do more anime, I do more BBC shows, right? So, you have pop up like in betweeners on there, more sure, more, like more stuff that we can't get in the American market. Pop it on Netflix along with their original content because something is going to stick. There's going to be something that is enticing enough to people to make them want to keep their subscriptions. But also, I think that less could be more, too. Like if you lower the price down to $12, you're going to have more people wanting to subscribe and keep their subscriptions.
0: So it comes to the point now where Netflix kind of is at a crossroads as far as its popularity. I I see this right now as being at maybe the at or near the plateau at or near the peak of where they're at. Could this be going higher or could this be going lower as far as the future for Netflix? And we also know that Netflix in and of itself is an entity right now is at the crossroads of where it's at and where it's going in the future. What are your thoughts out there on Netflix? Do you think that they're going to be able to last out for the long term and still be the viable entity that they are now? Please share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Human and Comedia, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram
1: as well. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial! Wait, do, do people still use dials?
0: Listen up, all you gamers out there. Miracle Fruit Oil is ramping up the deals on its awesome Vitabrace gaming wristband. Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve your gaming performance. Vitabrace will help you achieve your gaming goals, whether it's that single player campaign, retro classic, or battle royale. Head on over today to miraclefruitoil.com and if you use the code Vitabrace50, you'll get half off on a Vitabrace gaming wristband or use the code buy one, get one, and it's buy one, get one free. That's right, just use the code Vitabrace50 or buy and the number one get and the number one today to get some great deals on some Vitabrace gaming wristbands. So check it out today at Miraclefruitoil.com. Vitabrace, win with it. Comic-Con is finally open for business, my friends. I know there's a lot of great things going on down there in San Diego. People are having a great time, a lot of things to see, a lot of things to do. And a lot of news that are starting to trickle out there when it comes to Comic-Con is concerned. There's trailers coming out left and right. And we got to go into detail right now, my friend, on it. Because IT Chapter 2, I know they debuted a trailer there. Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Maverick, Top Gun 2, Hustlers. But there are more on the way, I'm sure. Lots of news coming out as well from Terminator Dark Fate. Quentin Tarantino's already talking all over the place about, you know, now that Once Upon a Hollywood is coming out as well. So he's talking about his future, a lot of news from there. But yes, there's a lot of stuff emanating in and around Comic-Con that's coming out. Your thoughts when it comes to some of these trailers that are out there. Let's break it down one by one so far that what you've seen. Let's start with, I know, the one that you're thinking about the most and that you've talked about the most, and that's It, Chapter 2.
2: So, IT Chapter 2 appears to take place when they're ad- adults. So, if you've read the book, the book alternates. So, you, you have the adult chapters where they're adults, and then you have a section following where they're kids. So, they they go back and forth to show the story. For the movies, they broke it up to where the first one, they're kids, second one, they're adults. But if you watch the trailer, there's still some flashbacks of them being kids. The trailer was good. They did a good job of building suspense. Okay, so, you know how by the end of the first one, They kind of made Pennywise seem like a joke. He lost his terrifying edge. But then in the beginning of this one, they build him up to be even more terrifying than he was at any point in the first one. Apparently, he's been lying dormant and waiting for them to come back. And now they're all back to the town because they made that promise in the end of the first one that they were going to take care of it if things ever happen again. And you can tell that they meant to keep that because in the trailers, James McAvoy's uh, trying to help the kid who's stuck in the, the mirror. You know, overall, it looks extremely terrifying and kind of excited to watch it but what were your what's your initial thoughts on it
0: this has piqued my interest most assuredly i thought it was a really good trailer i know the first trailer with the old lady did not set everyone's world on fire i know people thought that was a little bit weird outlandish because we understand as pennywise still trying to manipulate things i think that trailer just kind of threw some people off it kind of set me like okay this is where it's going this is kind of weird and all that but you know what this trailer right here is obviously what they wanted to go ahead and show what depths that Pennywise is going to go to in order to get back at those kids and what the kids who are now adults are going to go ahead and do to stop Pennywise and it brings back a lot of memories from the old TV series I saw yes a lot it's very campy it's very 80s-ish and obviously at times it could be thought of in a very funny way when you watch it but still It harkens back to that, plus also it obviously delves into the books very greatly. I know Stephen King has put a stamp of approval on it, and I think he is really more satisfied with what's going on here than some of his other projects that have come out. So I really think when it comes to IT Chapter 2, it can close out this series from Stephen King in a very strong way. I think it will do really, really well at the box office, Will it do more than the $700 million plus worldwide that IT Chapter 1 garnered? You know, it really doesn't have to because of the fact that even if it does only five to $600 million, it's still going to be seen as a success because of the fact that it garnered so much goodwill and so much good fortune in its first go-around. Even if it doesn't get quite as much as the first time around, it still has to be considered a success overall, even if it doesn't do quite Quite what the first one did so I, i'm a big fan of what's going on with it chapter two it looks like it is going to be a nice culmination of the it saga and i i really think that they've done a great job with it but again the movie itself we'll have to wait and see overall if it does match expectations of what stephen king's great novel is all about
2: so i mean that leads me to ask you with amazon picking up the dark tower do you think that this could open up any interest in somebody creating a connected Stephen King universe. Because the Dark Tower, as we've discussed before, is what connects all of his stories. Because it is one of the creatures that crawled out of the gap in between Midland and the Dark Tower.
0: You would have to think that there could be that possibility. I'm hopeful that it is because the fact that it would lead into something larger than just Stephen King story here, Stephen King story there they are all interconnected in some form or fashion. I would like to see that. Plus it would give a lot of love to some other stories in the Stephen King universe that may need more love. I've told you I'm a big fan of the Mr. Mercedes series. I read through all three of the books. The Mr. Mercedes television series, especially in those first season, did a pretty good job of telling its narrative. So I'm, I'm hopeful that those characters will actually get some love in an overall story arc of a Stephen King universe if it were told through the Dark Tower. Plus you could put in a Pennywise and still have his effect because people would still be remembering what happened in the It movies. And I think that would be something I think a lot of Stephen King fans would like is an interconnected Stephen King series which would feature from time to time very famous characters and even not so famous characters from the Stephen King universe
2: assuming that the dark tower does not end up being like sony's massacre of the dark tower
0: i think amazon is going to prove a lot of people wrong i think they're going to have a chance and opportunity to do it right if that's the case because you see what they're doing in lord of the rings they're not going to go ahead and sell anything short with the kind of money that they're spending and if they're going to spend their money on that i have a feeling they've got to spend top dollar on the stephen king universe as well so if they go ahead and proceed with a Dark Tower and try to build an interconnected Stephen King universe, I don't think that they're gonna make the same mistake that Sony did when it comes to the movie Dark Tower that came out just recently. All right, my friend, we talked about IT Chapter 2 and there's so many more trailers that are out there and getting released more and more. If you get a chance and you want the update and where to go for the links on all these trailers that are coming out, please check out our Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page. You'll be glad you did because it gives you the latest news and information as it emanates from Comic Con and as it comes out by all these studios putting out all these different trailers. I gotta tell you, man, do you have the need? Do you have the need for speed when it comes to the new Top Gun Two Maverick trailer that just came out?
2: Okay, so the the jet scenes were really cool, but there's something about the conversation between him and Ed Harris that did not sit right with me. It felt like dialogue that didn't flow well together and i'm hoping that that was just two separate scenes cut up i was going to ask you how did you feel about it, it didn't feel right to me there's something off about it
0: i think they're trying to establish that maverick's character had the opportunity to go ahead and advance even farther in the armed services than he did and chose not to or didn't for some reason or another. It was a little bit disjointed, but I have a feeling, like you said, that it was something taken out from maybe one or two different conversations or more that take place over the course of the movie, and they're not just from one same consistent flowing conversation. So I have a feeling that it is trying to be interjected from maybe different conversations at different points in time during the movie. So I'm hopeful that that's the case because it did seem a little bit disjointed, but again, that doesn't detract from the same beautiful imagery we saw when he's in the jet. Now, mind you, they did go ahead on rehash overload and some of the images that they were showing were copied straight from the old movie. I mean, there were some scenes where he's riding in the bike alongside the jet. Okay, we get that. We saw that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But still, you know, for the nostalgia factor and people who love Tom Cruise in Top Gun, I think this will get people's adrenaline pumping. I think that's exactly what they're looking for when it comes to a Top Gun 2.
2: Right, right. But our modern action movies are straight-up action movies. They have a feel to them, right? So I'm wondering, like, what's the line going to be? Is this going to be straight-up action, or are they still going to have those moments that made the first film so iconic? You know, the volleyball, the part in the bars, and the love story between Tom Cruise and... Kelly McGinnis. yeah. Are they going to have that, or is this just going to be a straight-up action movie? Because if you look at the way it was filmed, it was filmed very heavy, very, like, it, I don't know, the the tone, not tone, but the colors in the film trailer were very dark, so it makes me wonder exactly what kind of movie we're getting
0: here. And it does show a cemetery scene, so somebody dies in the film. Could it be Maverick himself? And while they bring up new pilots into the movie, because they're maybe handed off to a newer, younger set, or if in the movie it's just something that transpires that not only are we telling Tom Cruise's story, but they're showing younger pilots that maybe a younger audience can adapt to as well. So they're trying to maybe take care of all those mediums, because we, we've seen that before where you have the old standby favorites, but you also have younger individuals in the movie trying to cater to a younger audience as well to appease all sides. We may see that as well come across and come into play when it comes to a Maverick Top Gun 2. So we'll we'll see what happens, but so far the images from the actual jet itself when he's on it are really, really cool to look at. It will be interesting to see where this falls out when it comes out next year. But I know a lot of people are excited for it. There's still a lot of nostalgia in play. And even though you and I have talked about before at nauseum as far as nostalgia being overdone to an extent when it comes to Hollywood and reboots and remakes and all that stuff, there's still every now and then is something that can garner attention, that can garner love because it brings back that nostalgia in a positive manner. And so far, Top Gun 2 Maverick is looking like it'll do just that something else as well trying to garner all that nostalgia from the 90s is jay and silent bob's reboot that movie's coming out next year as well and the red band trailer came out and that is available the link on our pop culture cosmos facebook page i know this appeases to a lot of different kevin smith fans out there and they're excited to see jay and silent bob back your thoughts as they bring the entire band back together. A lot of familiar faces in the same places, in the same outfits, doing the same type of dialogue with the same characters from all of his previous movies. that are really involved in there. Your thoughts on Jay and Silent Bob coming back to a movie theater near you.
2: I am excited, okay? i am I've always been a big Kevin Smith fan. His movies aren't fantastic, but... I admire him for the fact that he's willing to push the envelope. If you watch the trailer, he's keeping Jay and Silent Bob for the way they are. But, you know, just to go through what it took to get this movie made was that he originally was going to set out to do Clerks 3, and then turns out he didn't own the rights to Clerks. Then he tried to do Mallrats, didn't own the rights to Mallrats either. And the only property that he owns in full is Jay and Silent Bob. So that's the reason for this movie. But it looks like it's basically just a commentary on all the superhero movies and the remakes and the in-originality of Hollywood. And there's nobody better, I think, to that, that can tell that story than Kevin Smith.
0: You know, it has its niche still in PC 2019. I think a lot of people still want to go ahead and check that out. So yeah, Jay and Silent Bob should garner a lot of interest. But this is, to me, the type of nostalgia play that might not go off as well as, I, as a lot of people are hoping to, because is it creating a story that's fresh, that people want to see, or is it just rehashing a lot of old ideas? I'm not as big a Kevin Smith fan as you are. I, I'd like to say I am, but uh, you know his stuff has been pretty good with me, but I'm not seeing something that's really overwhelmed me outside of Clerks. I think Clerks, to me, I think was really, really good when I saw it. I really enjoyed it. He's really not connected with me on a film 100% since then. And, uh, you know, not to his discredit because he's a huge pop culture fan. And to that, I just give him tremendous props for being because you could see he has such enthusiasm for a lot of the major pop culture icons that are out there. Star Trek, Star Wars, Marvel, what have you. I'm just not sure if Jay and Silent Bob, which was an entity, again, similar to what we saw with Bill and Ted's 3 that's also coming out next year, one of those two movies I think is not going to hit. And of the two, I think the one with more nostalgic love right now, I think is Bill and Ted's 3, just because we've talked about the Keanu thoughts. And I think Keanu is going to end up being a little bit more powerful name to draw than a return of Kevin Smith in Jay and Silent Bob.
2: This movie could go one or two ways like you it could bomb or it could create a renaissance of this style of movie and maybe more Kevin Smith films going down the line and who knows maybe you know Miramax will see how popular this one does and they'll let Kevin Smith make the third Clerks movie like he wanted to and but you know we don't know I I do want to see it but yeah it's it's totally relying on nostalgia and I guess you'd have to go back it looks like you have to go back and watch the old Jay and Silent Bob movie fully understand what's going on in this one but
0: i'm hopeful man i'm hopeful as am i my friend i don't want to go ahead and and knock it down just real quick but i have a feeling and this is just a feeling and i'm hopefully i'm wrong when it comes to jay and silent bob the reboot then also you have bill and ted's excellent adventure number three but i'm not sure if ultimately the success is going to come out for both my hope is that they do but we'll have to wait and see And also the news came out with Terminator Dark Fate. It is going to be R-rated and Edward Furlong is coming back. It was announced that he is going to be, again, a part of the Terminator franchise once again. Your thoughts after all the personal issues that Edward Furlong has had, how strong a part of it will he be? Are you excited that Edward Furlong is going to be coming back to Terminator Dark Fate and that it will be an R-rated film?
2: You know, it's weird for a second there. I thought you were going to ask me about the trailer for Cats, which was just dropped like 20 minutes ago, which looks absolutely terrifying. Back to Terminator, though. I feel like he is the best person to play a part like that, though, because he's been through a lot. And yeah, his name has never had a lot of positive things associated with it, but john connor's been through a lot so who knows man maybe it could match up pretty well he was an integral part of the second one like he was very important character and i gotta say even with this news i'm still not excited to see the movie i don't see it saving the movie it really just does not make any sense to me it's still going to confuse a lot of people because they're retconning so many of the old terminator films but as a fan of movies from the 80s so what are your thoughts on it does this entice you to come back to
0: the franchise or are you curious about it at all well i have stated before my indifference when the first trailer came out and this still does not move the needle in one direction or the other i was a big fan of the first two films in the terminator series i've unfortunately sat through the other ones at various points in time i'm serious man i'm just it's not going to be something that i'm looking forward to may go on tv for me one day maybe netflix streaming or what have you but For me, it's just not going to be something that I'm going to go out of my way and watch as of now, no matter who they bring back. No matter if they bring Edward Furlong back, no matter if they bring Linda Hamilton back, no matter if they bring Arnold Schwarzenegger back, no matter who they bring back, it still doesn't mean as much to me as it once did because of all the bad movies that have taken place since the time of Terminator 2. And that's unfortunately their own doing with the property in and of itself. If James Cameron truly cared about the Terminator franchise as he says he does, he would have never let it get that bad in the first place. I don't
2: care. I don't care. And there's At this point, it feels like there's not a lot that they can do to make me care about it again.
0: Well, that's some of the trailers that have just come out and some of our thoughts on it. If you have thoughts on any of the trailers that have exploded onto the scene that have come out during the course of Comic-Con and in the coming days... Including the Cats trailer that just came out with Taylor Swift, Idris Elba, Judy Dench out there, meow, meow, meow. Please share us your thoughts, PopCultureCosmos Cosmos at yahoo.com. We'll be reporting this stuff again all throughout the weekend when it comes to our Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page. You can also check out our Twitter handle as well, Pop Culture Cosmo, and you'll get the latest news and info right there on our news stream. Well, coming up next, we've got Jessica Box from the TV Ratings She's going to be talking about a lot of the stuff when it concerns the Emmy nominations, what surprises, who got snubbed, and the domination by the cable networks and streaming networks. We're going to talk about that right after the break with Jessica Boggs from the thetvradiusguide.com. This is the PCC Multiverse. <laughs>
1: order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from robmccallumfilms.com. robmccallumfilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching.
0: All right, and we're back with the show once again. It's Gerald coming right back at you here, and it is Emmy nominations time the Television Academy recently announced their humongous list of Emmy nods that were out there, and there were some surprises. And there were also some things out there that didn't surprise us when it comes to the amount who got the Emmy nods and just the sheer volume of what was going on for a couple of entities that were out there that everybody seems to know. And here today to discuss all that with me is my good friend. She is the lead writer of, of course the tvratingsguide.com you got to check out all the great stuff that they're doing today on the tvratingsguide.com including reviews obviously ratings news of course and also original programming and so much more it is my good friend miss jessica box jessica thanks for coming on the show and i'll tell you what a lot of emmy nods were out there what was the first thing that you saw that just jumped out right at you
3: First of all, I have saw all the overflow of Game of Thrones in the nominations, especially in the drama series and in the drama categories.
0: I think 32, if I'm not mistaken.
3: That's correct. There's a lot in the major categories, but there were way more nominations.
0: And it was funny because some of the actors were not promoted by HBO to be set up to be even considered for the Emmys. And three of the actors themselves that were nominated had to actually self-register for the Emmy nominations. And that was kind of funny that they had to do it on their own and HBO wasn't going to do it for them. And they still got nominated. But that leads me into my first big question when it comes to the Emmy nominations. And that is, you're right, Game of Thrones dominated the Emmy nominations with 32 to be exact is that too much praise for a show that in its final season got a lot of mixed reviews from the critics got a lot of mixed reception from the fans I believe as far as a technical and a production standpoint yes it is most definitely one of the best shows on television from that aspect and they deserve every nomination from that aspect as far as acting and other types of nominations or lauds from the Television Academy, I'm not sure that this would have been the case if it wasn't his final season because the fact that it was its final season. I think they're getting a lot of nominations just because I feel it may be a little bit overbloated, especially for a season, like I said, was not the best that Game of Thrones could offer.
3: Well, that's correct. There's so many I can think of that, only three to five had deservable performances. And that is how the final season was written and not necessarily from an acting standpoint. It's just the characters that Amelia Clark, Kit Harrington, and some of the actors that played, they were not portrayed in the best possible light.
0: You know, academies have a tendency to do that. The Oscars do the same thing where they give nominations and or awards to someone or an entity or an individual or a project, whatever, that maybe have been thought of as overdue in the industry. And people are possibly giving all these nominations to the Game of Thrones because of its longevity or as a lifetime service award or something like that for how many fans it, it, it catered to and how many fans it appeased over the course of most of the eight seasons. I think there are probably other more deserving individuals that might have deserved nominations instead but again a lot of it is reputation when it comes to way these academies think and Game of Thrones certainly has one of the biggest reputations that are out there especially after the kind of volume and the kind of ratings it garnered over the course of his last season and leading into that with all those nominations and also of course some of the other shows that HBO was a part of it actually took as a network the most nominations over Netflix, which had previously had that record. Your thoughts on HBO taking over that type of mantle and now has those bragging rights of the most lauded network on television? I think a lot of people had a little bit of a backlash against Netflix because in recent times when it comes to both the Emmys and the Oscars, all the love that Netflix was getting over the course of the most recent times, has received a backlash in the industry of Hollywood when it comes to them as a streaming outlet gaining so much political and creativity clout.
3: You got all those shows on HBO that are basically killing it right now in the nomination and the technical and the drama aspect. But in comedies, I was pretty surprised with Veep not getting as many nominations, especially for its final season.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, there was a, some surprise when it comes to networks. And well, FX, FX to me outside of Netflix and HBO probably produces the highest quality of programs that are out there as a group. I'm not saying per program basis. I'm saying as a group, as a collective, HBO, Netflix and FX to me seem to be a one, two and in FX case, a distant three when it comes to the sheer number of of quality programming is out there. And I think that was also represented with Pose and other shows from FX getting some love. But the one show that I think a lot of people are pointing to as a big surprise was something that was mentioned to me by our friends at the Pop Culture Connoisseurs, a gal on the gay podcast on a recent episode. And that was Shits Creek. And of course, that is S-C-H-I-T-T, apostrophe S, Creek. That show on pop TV actually garners some love for best comedy series and also for acting nods as well. So even though that HBO, Netflix, and again, like I said, FX, some real creative powerhouses got most of the love, there were still some surprises out there from shows that the Academy is watching and does appreciate every now and then some good television from other aspects of the television realm. Well,
3: Pose from FX also got some major nominations. And then you also have the Netflix limited series, When They See Us, is the one about the Central Park Five. That also got some nominations in there as
0: best limited series. And for all this love that all those entities are getting, there's not a lot left over when it comes to broadcast networks. And I want to hear your thoughts on broadcast networks the love that they're not getting anymore from the TV Academy, apparently, the fact that quality television that the Academy is pointing towards to are in different directions than what we're seeing on ABC, CBS, NBC, and Fox, for the most part. There's some there still, mind you, but it's not to the point where it once was where they were the ones that were dominating and Netflix and HBO were, in past years, smaller entities that only got a little bit of love. The tide has now turned, and I want to ask you a question when it comes to the broadcast networks. Is good television still going to be heading at any point in time at all to broadcast networks?
3: I think as long as there is TV and as long as there is broadcast TV, there's still going to be some good shows. No doubt, The Good Place and This Is Us are still getting some love from the Academy but that remains to be seen with broadcast networks. A lot of them are turning towards the reality and the unscripted part, though, and that's probably not getting good results from a monetary standpoint, even though it supposedly makes more money. I think also, even those shows that do not get as much love are also loved by fans in it. Even though the critics hate it for some reason, there are audiences that love it too.
0: All right, when it comes to all the Emmy nominations that are out there, I know there's going to be some that got snubbed and also some individuals and shows that might be surprised that they got in. Now, I, there's been a lot of speculation on who got snubbed, who was a surprise, but I want to hear from you and what the folks at the thetvratingsguide.com think. Who was a surprise, first off, in getting in, either an individual actor, a show, or what have you? What was the major surprises for you and the folks at the TV Ratings Guide on what surprises there were as far as nominations that just came out of left field for you.
3: Hmm, what kind of came out of left field? Fosse, Verdon.
0: It was actually a limited series on FX.
3: And that got in, that came out of left field. It was a good show.
0: Uh, I believe that's one with Sam Rockwell in it and his talent I know is appreciated by Hollywood is an industry as a whole. He's considered one of the top actors right now in the marketplace and his name really pushed that show into that spotlight, even though as far as ratings is concerned, it didn't garner the hugest ratings ever, but it still did nicely and it garnered some nice acclaim, obviously, when it comes to the Emmy nominations and like to you, I think a lot of people kind of forgot about it, but still it garnered some nice acclaim during the Emmy nominations this week. But are there any other surprises as well for you as far as from either an individual or a show aspect?
3: There was one in the reality aspect that shouldn't have gotten in From a rating standpoint, and that would be James Corden's The World's Best. And not from like a hosting standpoint, but from a rating standpoint, it was the lowest show on CBS, and he still got nominated as a reality host in there. And I think that show might be on its way of getting canned.
0: For me, a couple of the surprises, I'm going to probably have to say, of the surprises in the comedy series... I am going to say that Russian Doll. Russian Doll was something that was lauded by critics everywhere, but I'm not sure if it had enough notoriety as far as viewing is concerned to even garner that, but I'm glad to see that it did get in. I'm kind of surprised that it, that it got enough in, but then again, when Netflix is pushing it, It does have a tendency to have a chance to get in there as an Emmy nomination and as a show it did. It is probably of the shows in the comedy series category, it is probably the most lauded by critics this year. So it definitely has a good chance to win now that its in, isn't. I'm just surprised that it got remembered because of the sheer amount of Netflix shows that are out there and the fact that it is not the most popular of Netflix shows. So I'm, I'm glad to see it got that kind of love. Also, another surprise to me, I think, was probably that Game of Thrones, just getting so many sheer nominations. I think that's probably, to me, the one biggest surprise of them all. And the fact that, again, it wasn't the most appreciated by fans or critics out there when it came to excellence this year compared to previous seasons. Previous seasons were much more beloved, not only from an acting, but also as well from a whole overall standpoint. But again, production and design and uh, set pieces and costuming and technical aspects, you know, because HBO put so much money into it, I can see it getting a lot of love there. But all the great acting that we normally will see in the series, some of it was there, obviously, in this final season, but not to the extent I think that a lot of people were hoping for when it comes to what was going on with the Game of Thrones. So that was a big surprise that it got 32 nominations that are out there. Okay, I got to hear your thoughts on what were some of the snubs when it comes to not getting some love from the TV Academy when it concerns the Emmy nominations this year?
3: I was pretty surprised when some of the actors from the Connors, most notably Laurie Metcalf, didn't even get any Emmy love this year, both in the lead actress or supporting actress category.
0: And then there's also a show on CW, which I know you have a great affinity for, that is in its final season that didn't get any love.
3: Well, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, every year, always gets snubbed on the major categories, though. And I didn't see that it get nominated for technical either.
0: For me, I think one of the biggest snubs that's out there is in the Outstanding Comedy Series standpoint. And while NBC did score a nomination with The Good Place... I think its best comedy, and that's just my opinion, is Superstore. I think that show should have received some love as an outstanding comedy series. And probably from a actor or actress standpoint, not seeing Julia Roberts in Homecoming, not being nominated, even though she is a huge name in the industry still to this point, and now that she's starting to do more television and things of that nature, not seeing her in there and getting snubbed. It was kind of surprising to say the least. I feel like there's
3: also like with specific actors too, like Sarah Paulson didn't get nominated. Connie Britton for Dirty John did not get nominated. Ian McShane and Big Bang Theory was totally shunned for its final season. And that includes Jim Parsons as well.
0: There's certain constraints, which the broadcast networks have to go ahead and abide by which is great for family viewing and things of that nature but when it comes to being able to push that envelope being able to go ahead and show things that might be questionable might be controversial but also as well provide a more realistic gritty and more beloved view by academy members and critics alike it's going to go ahead and have that disadvantage and it's just only going to get much worse as time goes on when it comes to the dominance that you're going to continue to see from streaming outlets HBO and cable outlets as they continue to go ahead and delve into those topics, which broadcast networks can. And with so many more streaming outlets that are coming out there, like Apple, like Disney Plus, and so many other outlets as well that are going to bring their own shows, it's going to be interesting to see where this continues to lead when it comes to Emmy nominations and how the TV Academy and Hollywood continue to perceive television as a whole. But one last thing we're not going to snub is your information on what's going on at the tvratingsguide.com. So please fill us in before we head on out, Jessica, on what's going on with your awesome site, the tvratingsguide.com.
3: We have reviews. We have renew cancel indexes that are coming out in the fall, but we do have our own summer renew cancel. We have original shows and We also have some of the the latest ratings news to come on the TV ratings guide. And we also have our ratings and reviews databases as we write about the ratings aspect of our favorite shows and how they
0: fall. All right. And there's a lot to talk about indeed because we've got a fall season coming up and you're going to be back on in early August to give us our August TV update. Once again, it is Jessica Boggs. Jessica, any last thoughts on the way out?
3: No last thoughts other than Rust in Peace, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.
0: Yes, Rust in Peace, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. indeed. Jessica, it's always great to have you on the show. Thank you again for giving us this update when it concerns the Emmy nominations. And so looking forward to your August TV update right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos.
1: If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only 5 minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves.
0: If you need a listing of where we're at because we're being played on radio seven days a week, just give us a holler right on our Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page. There's a listing right there for you, including some of our great radio stations, because, again, we're being played on radio seven days a week, including a great station. We want to give a shout out to WZQR in Florida. Cannot thank enough the folks at WZQR for playing the PCC Multiverse each and every weekend. We truly appreciate it and give a big hello to the listeners out there. And if you missed our show or would like to go ahead and listen to us in a podcast form, we're on virtually every major podcast app, including great podcast apps like Pandora. If you're a Pandora fan, just type in Pop Culture Cosmos on Pandora and it comes right up for you. Or we're on, like I said, virtually every podcast app out there if you need a listing check out our site pop culture cosmos on facebook my friend i know you've got a great book coming up you want to go ahead and give it a plug real quick that's coming up at the end of this month that's debuting out there
2: yeah congratulations you suck book i've been working on for a while is uh, coming out july 30th you can pick it up at amazon.com barnesandnoble.com i'd like to get it in stores so if you could all do me a huge favor Go to your local bookstore, whatever that might be, and ask them if they could stock the book. That would be a huge favor to me and I would greatly appreciate it. But yeah, please check out the book. I hope you enjoy it. And you you know, you can always email me if you have any questions about the characters or you hate the book, please just all feedback's great feedback to me. So please check it out July thirtieth and I hope you enjoy it.
0: Now, if there is a character in the book that's a loud mouth fifty year old individual, I have a feeling I know where you got it influenced by.
2: Yep, you you caught me, man. You caught me.
0: So be looking for Gerald's character in there. Fair enough, fair enough, indeed. I'll have to check it out myself as well. Once again, that is Congratulations, You Suck, coming out starting June 30th, and you want to go ahead and check out barnesandnoble.com and amazon.com to find out more information on ordering. Congratulations, You Suck. Well, before we go ahead and close out today's show and program, I do want to go ahead and pay a moment of silence to you know, an unfortunate incident that happened in Japan where a animation studio, not a huge name in the industry by our standards, but still, they had shows on Netflix. They did have a presence in the anime world for many years. Koyoto Animation, just such a tragic and needless loss of life. We do want to go ahead and pay our respects to that great animation studio and all that they produced And our respects to their families due to the unfortunate destruction of Kyoto Animation. And our thoughts are with their families. And again, all around the anime world, we're all feeling the loss of Kyoto Animation. All right, my friend, before we head on out, I know you've heard the news (laughs) Toys Toys R Us is back. Toys R Us is back. Toys R Us is back. Is it back? Well, kind of, my friend. It's, it's kind of back. Because it was announced today that they are coming back for the holiday season with two locations. That's right, two locations here in the United States in Paramus, New Jersey, and also as well, Houston. They're going to have two locations there. But it's going to be kind of different. And the thing that actually in the articles and in the press releases that came out... You know what, they still have over 900 stores. That was the thing that got to me is that why they're still succeeding overseas when they can't make it here.
2: Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't like the idea of a revival if it's only happening in two places. You know, and if you look at what they're talking about, it barely looks like a, a shadow of Toys R Us. It looks more like a Lego store than anything.
0: They did mention that it's going to be less toys available, less toys on the shelves, going to be more of an interactive experience and going to be something more that's experienced and touched and and as far as interacted with than something that you can go ahead and see it's available, see all the toys. I get that to an extent because a lot of stuff on the shelves, a lot of inventory. It takes a lot of money to go ahead and support that type of deal. And obviously that's one of the reasons why Toys R Us met its unfortunate demise here in the United States is that They had so many big stores with so much inventory that they just couldn't go ahead and go through them all in a a decent amount of time to satisfy their debtors, their creditors that were out there. So they did what they did when it comes to Toys R Us stores. But again, when you're going ahead and using the Toys R Us name, a lot of people are going to be not so pleasantly surprised when they go into those stores and they see it's not going to be exactly the Toys R Us they remember.
2: So what is the strategy in making a comeback that doesn't sell toys? People love Toys R Us for the fact that you can go in, pick up the box, turn around, see what's on it. Maybe have smaller stores. I totally get that. But don't do this whole interactive experience thing because that's not Toys R Us. That's a different store. Don't brand yourself as Toys R Us if you're going to do that.
0: Exactly. And that seems to be the case that they're just banking on the Toys R Us name and nostalgia. Here we go again. In fact, we might have to rename this podcast the Nostalgia Cosmos podcast because the fact we all we've talked about on today's show deals with nostalgia in many ways. So, you know what? I'm going to say this nostalgia works both ways for and against. And we're going to wait and see if people are still going to be enthused by Toys R Us coming back in the form and fashion as they did. And if by this time next year, there are more Toys R Us stores opening up because they've talked about that in the press release that they're going to go ahead into high volume areas. I'm assuming LA, Chicago, New York, maybe even here in Vegas, maybe even there in Orange County where you're at, maybe in other high volume areas as well, that they're going to go ahead and be a presence. It's still not going to be the presence I think a lot of people were remembering or were hoping for, that they're just going to be another store in the mall. And to me, that would be kind of sad.
2: Yeah, and I wonder too, is this going to affect the alleged comeback of KB Toys, which is something that could generate buzz now that Toys R Us is not what it used to be?
0: That will remain to be seen. But yes, the Toy Store experience is probably not going to be ever the same as what we remember it and what we enjoyed and appreciated about it because the Toys R Us that is coming to those locations is not going to be quite the experience I think a lot of people were hoping for. What are your thoughts out there on Toys R Us, kind of, coming back to the United States and being a presence, albeit a very, 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 very small one, but being a presence, once again, in the toy industry? Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Are you happy that they're back at all, or are you worried that they're just because they're going ahead and having these interactive, smaller stores that's going to change the perception of the way you see the name Toys R Us from this point forward? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. My friend, it's been a great episode. Once again, I want to thank Jessica Box from the TV tvratingsguide.com for coming on and telling us about her thoughts when it comes to the Emmy nominations. Don't forget, we got a great show coming up on Monday for the Pop Culture Cosmos. We're going to recap the best of Comic-Con and what went on there and all the great stuff and great information that took place over the course of the Comic-Con weekend. Plus, also, we're going to recap the big opening weekend for The Lion King. Plus, with Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood coming out, a lot of people are excited for it. And i got a lot of people that want to come on the show and talk about Quentin Tarantino. So I'm going to go ahead next week and devote a lot of time to that as well. Any last thoughts on the way out, my friend? Big
2: weekend with Comic-Con here. So um, I'm excited to see a lot of the trailers hitting
0: tomorrow and Sunday. As long as nobody else is dropping your mixer, everything should be all good. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for the comedy stylings of Hugh for the Borg Collection. When I was part of the Borg Collective,
3: my Borg wife was so fat, when she sat around the Collective, uh, she sat around the Collective. The Monster Sci-Fi Show is part of the ESO Network. It's sci-fi from a certain point
0: of view. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast.
1: This
3: has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.
0: Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com.